Warning, the following podcast contains coarse language and spoilers for the film and the title of the podcast. Now playing movie reviews in 20 cues. I am become deaf, destroyer of worlds, and potentially your ear holes. Hello, good people, and welcome to the podcast Movie Reviews in 20 Qs, the show where we review a movie by asking 20 weird and wonderful questions about it. I am your host, Sam, and I am not joined by any of my usuals this week. Instead, I am joined by another destroyer of worlds, usually the toilet world. Billy, how are you going? (laughs) Mate, I'm excellent. How are you doing? (laughs) Ah, top of the fucking world. Mate, it's so good to be recording with you again. It's been a while. Was... Was Avatar 2 the last thing we did? I think that might have been the last thing we did, yeah. Or could yeah. Uh, Ant-Man? I, I'd guessed it on your episode oh, for Ant-Man. Yeah. Had yep, audio yep. difficulties, <laughs> like, basically became a cameo of, you see, you know? Yeah. That was, that was tough for my end. That was tough. But my computer yeah. issues are fixed, and here we are again. It's good to be back. Oh, thank you. (laughs) And the movie we're talking about is the new film Oppenheimer by Christopher Nolan, starring Killian Murphy, Robert Downey Jr., and every single B-list actor that you could name (laughs) in this docudrama, biopic, whatever you want to call it, about uh, Robert J. Oppenheimer. Not going to hit you with a plot or anything. We're just going to get into the podcast. Has a score of 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. Has a score of 8.7 out of 10 on IMDb. B. Wow. High scores. High scores. And yeah, I'm interested to see what you think about this. And we'll, we'll get we'll get into it very soon. Uh, if you haven't heard this podcast before, what we do is we review a movie by asking 20 weird and wonderful questions about it. We usually start with 10 that can be applied to any film, unless there's just two of us. Then we do 13 questions before moving into three personal questions each and then finishing on a Patreon question. One we start with, compliment sandwich, one from good, one from bad, and one from good if we like this film. And the reason why I'm very curious to see what you think is because you are a massive, massive Nolan bro <laughs> hater, is the best way to describe I'm it. I'm that you got me on here because you're hoping for a swathe of one-star reviews like I did when I did my Tenet episode. Exactly. Hate fuels me. Bring on the one-stars. We watch the thing. Search it up. One-star the fuck out of it. That's all you got to do, Nolan bros. That's all you got to do. Now, look, here's the thing. I, I don't dislike Nolan. There's plenty of Nolan films that I've enjoyed. I think there's equally some that I've not enjoyed. I just think he's <laughs> he's fine. But that doesn't answer what I thought of this film. <laughs> Whoa. So, yeah. so I guess we'll see. <laughs> well, bring it on, Billy. Help me with your sandwich. Okay, all right. Compliment sandwich. One good thing, the performances. I think the performances in this film from top to bottom are excellent. I actually don't think there's a bad one in this film. For my money, I think this might be Robert Downey Jr.'s first go at an Oscar. I think he's probably getting it. Killian Murphy, great in this film. I, I think all the performances are excellent. My second good thing is the, the production. I think that the filmmaking is really quite good in this film. I think the editing is excellent. I think the score is excellent. Production design is really good. Under my bad thing... <laughs> Because, yeah, it's not a hyperbole for me. (laughs) But that being said, I do think this is probably my favorite Nolan film at this point. Um, Wow. It's probably between this and Interstellar. Yeah, it's it's up there. I think this is a really good film. Um, My one bad thing is I think that the screenplay 
needed some work and some tightening. Like, I do think that this film is too long. There's nothing wrong with a three-plus-hour film if it works. I think that the pacing is a bit off in this one. Some of it feels so fucking fast-paced and just ripping through years. And then you get to the final, I don't know, 30, 45 minutes, and you're like, well, this should have been a five-minute sequence. But, you know, you get that. (laughs) I'm just going to jump in there because that's my bad thing as well is, like, at about an hour 45 or two hours in, I was like, if this wraps it up now, this is going to be one of the best films I've seen in years. Yeah. And yeah. then it goes for another hour. And you're like, yeah. fuck me, come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there you go. So that that's my compliment sandwich. My score currently, it's a really hard one. I've, I've been flipping around different scores. When I first saw it, I landed on eight. I think in hindsight, I'm going to be closer to, let's say... 7,500 out of 10,000. Um, just so you know, Robert Downey Jr. has actually been nominated for an Oscar twice. Yeah, no, I think he's going to win for this. Ah, you think he's going to win. Can you yeah, name the two I... films that he's been nominated for? There's a good bit Ooh, of trivia. Jeez. No, I don't think I could name what he'd been nominated for. Okay, so back when he was Hollywood's darling in the 90s, he was nominated for Chaplin, for his portrayal of Charlie Chaplin. Okay, which he did an amazing yeah. job. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, the other one, Tropic Thunder. Oh, right. Of course. <laughs> I, for- I, for- I forgot he was nominated for that. I actually think that that's, that's pretty cool that he got nominated for that. Fucking but, insane. Lost uh, out best do- supporting to Heath Ledger for Dark Knight. <laughs> that's right. I know that we're early in the year here and there's obviously a lot of stuff to come out. Obviously, we still have Killers of the Flower Moon, etc., etc. But at this point, like if the Oscars would happen t- tomorrow, I'd have him as a lock. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. Uh, on to me, yeah, um, good things. Yeah, I, I agree with you on the performances. Oh, I'm just going to say Killian Murphy, though. I mean, he rocks yeah. it. Like, he, he does. He's always been, like, one of our better actors of our generation that's never really been given his big chance to shine, you know? Like, he's obviously yeah. been a leading man in quite a few films, but I feel like this is his biggest, biggest, you know, blockbuster. He's had actually had a good chance to shine and then yeah i mean i mentioned my bad thing my other good thing shot beautifully shot yeah. beautifully it is like it's it's phenomenal how like pretty it looks like it's one of these one of these films that obviously benefits from being an imax and all that sort of shit but i, I saw it on a smaller screen and i still yeah. like was blown away by the majesty of it <laughs> yeah 100 percent. i agree you don't need to see this in an imax which is i think good because there's very few of those cinemas in the world and there's even fewer, like most IMAXs aren't even playing this in 70 mils. So odds of you seeing this in that format are low. <laughs> yeah, we've got one IMAX in all of New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. It, S- same, we've got one in Australia at the moment. We did have two, but the Sydney one has been closed for about, oh, fuck, 10 years. Yeah. And, and even then, it's about EYE Max. It's not about IMAX. <laughs> 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 it's like a double i it's like i imax it's like uh, yep the new zealand way give it half an half an, half ass attempt and move on which is why i'm using words like majesty you know like i'm talking about um my screw out of ten thousand. yeah i mean i've been flipping and flopping easily could have been somewhere between eight to nine but because of that extra hour of like what's going on i yeah. would give it seven thousand two hundred ninety seven mushroom oh, clouds we are very close we are very, very close very close <laughs> i was quite surprised i was thinking you were going to blow me out of the water and drop a bomb on me but <laughs> anyway question, question number two what is it billy 
All right, what was the biggest dick move in the movie? There's quite a, quite a few. There's a very obvious one. <laughs> I mean, the very obvious one, and we've got to have it. It's him trying to sling his dick up every single fucking person's wife you can find. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like he's banging he Florence Pugh. So he blank- loves to drop cummies more than he likes to drop bombs. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Yep, that's my one. Okay, I mean, I think the most obvious one is just dropping an atomic bomb on people. But, I mean, for me, all right, we both have kids. Now, our kids, you know, they cry, they're annoying. Sometimes you wish you could just give them to another family, but would you ever actually do it, Sam? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I mean, spoiler alert for my later question of who's the true MVP, it's the dad taking those kids. What the fuck? I know. Like, honestly, I couldn't believe it. And then he does take them back later, doesn't he? Like, when they're out of, like, the crying stage, doesn't Oppenheimer get them back? I, I think so, yeah. Like, at the end, poor kids. at the end, which is at the start, which is when he's talking to Robert Downey Jr. And he's like, oh, you got, for your family, he's like, yeah, my wife, two kids. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I just, I was, I was actually shocked by that moment in the film. <laughs> it was pretty amazing. Um, speaking of which, question number three, which side character had their life completely oh. ruined by the events of this movie? My God, honestly, like, toss a dice and find, like, I mean, any Japanese person, uh, any of the Native Americans who lived around the testing site. I mean, yeah, Oppenheimer's kids. There's way too many to pick from. I, I'm, I'm going to go with Oppenheimer's kids. <laughs> yeah, I, I strayed a little closer than that. I'm going to go with his wife. You know, like, yeah, okay. like she's been bouncing around husbands and then she gets kids, obviously didn't want them, you know, yeah. <laughs> turns to the bottle and then later has to have her entire private life read out into, I don't know, into US records. I don't know what you <laughs> yeah. describe it as. Like, you know, he's I don't just, know, man, she seems okay with it though. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it's just the way Emily Blunt portrayed that character, but she's, uh, she's ballsy. She seems, she seems fine with anything. <laughs> She doesn't seem to mind. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when he's like, hey, I told you about this. And she's like, well, I am a woman in the 1950s. So that's a good point. You did yeah. tell me. It's okay. Yeah. Even though I and Christopher Nolan is going to try and write me to look like the only strong person in this film by having me come at Jason Clark and tell him to get fucked. I'm going to be the only yeah. person in the film that has the gall, you know, gall to stand up to him. I'm still yep. going to be totally cool with you banging some girl who then went and killed herself. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Weird. I mean, obviously Florence Pugh had her life completely ruined by the events of this yes. movie. But yeah, was... true, actually. Maybe that's the right answer. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, question number four. What, what, uh, what is it, Billy? What was the biggest load of bullshit in this movie? Did you know there was a New Zealander called Robin Williams? <laughs> I did not. He, he was a leading scientist who actually worked on the Manhattan Project. And you wouldn't know because you didn't fucking see him in this movie. <laughs> Hello, rest of the world. Have you ever encountered a New Zealander? Did you notice the massive chip on their shoulder about every single fucking thing that's happened in the world? And how oh. anything that ever gets, um, you know, like anything that we ever get known for, people immediately think it's yeah. Australians. Did you guys know Australians were the first up Mount Everest? Did you guys know Australians made Lord of the Rings? <laughs> We invented Pavlova, mate. It's invented Pavlova. Did you know Australians were the first country to give women the vote? It was all us. Sam Neill's Australian? Yeah, Sam Neill's Australian. Split ends is Australian. 
I know that you're a Reddit user. I'm assuming that you've been to that subreddit, Maps Without News. Yes. All right. Uh, my biggest load of bullshit in this movie is actually... Oh, I don't know if this counts. It's not part of the movie proper. And this is where I'm going to have my soapbox, mate. Because the biggest load of bullshit in this movie is Nolan's claims that there are zero visual effects in the film. <laughs> Did you know that there were more visual effects artists who worked on this film than who worked on Barbie? No, but wouldn't. I can believe that, yeah. Of course you wouldn't, because only 15 fucking artists are credited in the end credits of this film, which is less than like, honestly, over 80% of the artists who worked on this film did not receive a credit. And I'm not blaming Nolan personally, but he is a big perpetuator of this myth that this film is fully practical. Fucking Tom Cruise tried to do the same thing with fucking Mission Impossible. And at least Christopher McQuarrie came out and said, no, there's 2,500 VFX shots in that film. Of course there are. <laughs> but Nolan, when outright asked, said there was zero CGI in this film. And no one really knows what he means. Maybe he means there's zero fully CGI shots. Maybe he does mean there's zero 3D work in the film, but there's 100% visual effects all over this film. There's compositing, there's matte painting, there's roto, like, but anyway, only 15 artists credited, and as a VFX artist myself, it makes me very sad, especially at a time where we have actors and writers striking, which are already affecting the VFX industry so much. It's bullshit. That's my soapbox. <laughs> Fair enough. And... Like I saw an interview with him where somebody asked him about the nuclear explosion, and they yeah. said, "Did you actually launch a nuclear bomb, or you know, <laughs> like, did you undertake an atomic explosion?" He goes, "Oh no, but I'm very impressed that people would think I have. You know, obviously I've done it right and all this other shit." And it's kind of like this is going to be my controversial opinion. But I'm just going to slip it in here because it's a perfect segue. It's kind of like Oppenheimer being the head of all these scientists and not, never actually doing any of the scientific work himself, yet taking yeah. all the taking all the like credit. You know, yeah, and yeah. it's like that with Christopher Nolan. It's just like, did you do that? No. <laughs> Are you the one out there yeah. detonating the explosions, rigging them, you know, all that sort of shit? No. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 It's a, it's a fuck him. <laughs> a film like this is truly a team effort. And I don't, I don't think this is the thing about visual effects. I don't think most people understand that a historical drama biopic of that's going to have so many visual effects, things like painting out, you know, uh, modern day anachronisms things like putting in olden day cars that you can't get anymore they're 3d models typically like i mean it just it really it it pisses me off it really grinds my gears fair enough <laughs> fair enough yep. all right question number five yep question number five is the first of our patreon questions this question comes courtesy of our man dan brennick of netflix and swill podcast covers all things netflix related go check them out and i mean i've already answered it but the question this week is what character was the true mvp all right for me it's einstein man <laughs> when einstein popped up it was like nick fury popping up in an avengers movie like as soon as people when his hat flies off and you see that wild hair my audience like was like whoa <laughs> it was awesome <laughs> Who knew there were so many Einstein fanboys, right? <laughs> I know, right? Now I want, like, the Oppenheimer cinematic universe. <laughs> <laughs> just Einstein just randomly popping up and all of like... Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm putting together a team. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see that. I'm not fucking kidding. Yeah. I want to see that. That'd be sick. <laughs> that would be pretty sick. Um, question number six. What is it, Billy? 
All right. What quote from this film would be the worst to hear after sex? Okay, so here's a bit of a spoiler for everybody. But before we record the podcast, we try to talk about what we're going to talk about as little as possible so that we don't ruin what's happening in our conversation and we don't, you know, have anything set up or teed up or all that sort of shit. And it comes naturally. When we were talking about the questions, I said, we're both going to have to excuse Florence Pugh and Killian Murphy's bizarre fucking sex scene <laughs> and take that one as red because Killian Murphy wanders over no she she hops off him halfway through sex walks over to his library finds a book in Sanskrit brings it back to him and then he says I am become deaf destroyer of worlds which immediately gets them horny as fuck and they destroy each other's world <laughs> what yeah it's bizarre it's bizarre and then i I don't know if you heard all of the rumors online that the the sex scene was 15 minutes long there were all these people talking about 15 minutes of prolonged nudity so i was all excited for it and then it's like it's like 30 seconds (laughs) yeah so i mean like we're we're just going to set that aside the one for me then is they won't fear it until they understand it and they won't understand it until they've used it That would be scary. If someone said that to me after sex, I'd be terrified. (laughs) Yeah. Mine is, you don't get to commit sin and then ask all of us to feel sorry for you when there are consequences. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love it. Uh. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Uh, Question number seven, which character from this film best represents the other podcaster? It's clearly Robin Williams, the New Zealand <laughs> scientist who worked on the Manhattan Project. And no one noticed him? Is that what you're trying no to say? No one noticed him. He's just not there, not around. What a fucking asshole. <laughs> I'm, going with, um, I'm going with Teller, the H-bomb guy that just kept complaining and moaning about things repetitively and no one listened to him. And Otwire was like, shut the fuck up. And he's like, I've got this great idea. And then the idea turned out to be a good idea. But by that point, everyone was like, oh, bro, no one cares. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> that is like me. I'm always coming up with good ideas. <laughs> and complaining. <laughs> and complaining. I do complain a lot. <laughs> I know Topher will be listening to this and letting out a single ha right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he won't be listening to this. He hasn't listened to me since he left. <laughs> oh, he still listens to me. He provides me comments every yeah. week. Oh, this is getting awkward. Uh, let's move over to question number eight. What is it, Billy? All right, what bizarrely specific top ten list would you pit this movie on? The holy fuck, is that Gary Oldman? I I, I agree. I actually didn't know it was Gary Oldman until I was recording my episode on this with my co-host Dave, and he said, oh, and Oldman's in it. And I was like, what? Who's Oldman? (laughs) I had no clue that that was him. Yeah, for me, like, I remember reading the cast list and then seeing that every male actor ever was in this, and then I saw Gary Oldman and was like, well, obviously, he's in all Nolan films pretty much, and then... Yeah, when when he popped up, I was like, I know that's a famous actor. Oh, I know that's a famous actor. <laughs> it was like pissing me off. And I was like, holy fuck, it's Gary Oldman. And yeah, I, I mean. Ha- I had no clue. I had, He was great in it. Oh, yeah. As always. <laughs> yeah. I loved how he was just like, <laughs> oh, that would be another one. He's like, don't ever let that fucking baby back into this room again or something like that. That would be another quote you wouldn't want to hear after sex. Don't ever let that crybaby back in here. <laughs> Um, I'm going to have this on my list of top 10 uh, franchise origin films you know like Wolverine Origins etc because this is clearly Godzilla Origins (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> Godzilla wasn't written in response to the nuclear fallout threat that have affected Japan, so yeah, I suppose. <laughs> Anywho, that moves us over to question number nine, which is also a Patreon question. Comes courtesy of our friend Julio of the Contrarians podcast, a podcast which rages against the Rotten Tomatoes machine. So they take a film like this, which is universally beloved, and they argue why it's shit. Man, I'd love to do an episode on this. White shit. <laughs> we can do some good arguments. Anyway, um, uh, what's your most controversial opinion about this film? So I, I didn't know that this film had been as well received as, as those numbers you read out at the start. Like, I, I thought it was good. I thought a lot of people thought it was good. But I've seen very much a lot of discourse from people online who are upset from, by the point of view in the film. Lots of people upset that we don't see the Japanese side of things, that we don't see the indigenous Americans, you know, and what happens to them in the fallout of the Trinity test. My controversial opinion, and maybe it's not that controversial, but my controversial opinion is that I'm actually, I'm okay with that. Like, that's what the scope of this film is. And I actually think that it makes those scenes kind of more powerful. The fact that we don't see anything in Japan actually kind of, to me, highlights how horrific it is. Because Oppenheimer doesn't see it either. Like, none of these people are there. They're in the middle of the fucking desert so far away from it. It almost doesn't affect them at all. And that moment when you see them all kind of partying after the bomb has been dropped, it hit me really quite hard, actually. So, I don't know how controversial that opinion is, but I'd seen a lot of discourse online about it. So, that's what I'm going with. That scene was the scene where I was like, Nolan should make a horror film. Like, it was yeah, legitimately yeah. terrifying, you know, when he's standing in the body, yeah. you know, like, yeah, just seeing people clutching in their face, face blistering and mounting off. Like, it was enough to, you know, like, warn you of the horrors. But at the same time, yeah, he was never there. He never saw it firsthand. Ex- ex- exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the one for me. Bye, RDJ. <laughs> I, like as I said, I reckon there's an awesome film here. I reckon this is Oppenheimer. It's not Straws or whatever he calls himself. Yeah. Yes, he gives a great performance, absolutely. But for me, that just, oh, it just dragged it. And the bits between yeah. him and Alden Ehrenreich or however, um, you know, Han Solo. Like, how, <laughs> Han Solo, <Yeah>. Han Solo, <laughs> the Wish.com edition. <laughs> I don't know what you, what you define him as. But, like, some of those scenes and just, like, playing for cutesy, like, oh, you're not even an important type of thing. I was like, oh, it's just so unnecessary. I do agree. Yeah, particularly towards the end of the film, like I said, I, I think that final kind of 30, 45 minutes where really we spend most of our time with Strauss, yeah. it goes too long for me. And, you know, I get that it's an important part thematically of the film when you talk about what the film's about, but uh, yeah, I agree. I don't think it needed to be anywhere near as long as it was. No. Absolutely not. Uh, question number 10. What have we got, Billy? All right, what film would this movie totally try and hook up with if given half a chance? Oh, this one's... Oh, man, this is tough. A Beautiful Mind? Yeah, I could totally see that. This very beautiful mind Yeah. I reckon it would try and slip it to A Beautiful Mind, but then also Dr. Strangelove or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb, like Sandy Kubrick's yep. masterpiece from 1960. That yep. I mean, that is also nuclear-related, obviously, and involves a bomb being dropped at the end. One of those two. I think it would um, try hitting on both of them all night and get nowhere arriving them and go home and jack off like we all do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, well, I'm also going to go another biopic, um, The Social Network. Ooh. Which, you know, it takes a story far more 
dull than this in a lot of ways and elevates it to something far better, I think. Like, I don't think any biopic is ever going to top that. Fincher is a fucking master. Yeah, for a dude with zero prep, that's a very good answer. Well done. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) All right. Question number 11. Yes, question number 11. What was the most moronic decision made by an otherwise smart character? Emily Blunt having kids. (laughs) (laughs) I know that it was the 50s and she kind of just had to do it, but I actually don't get it. Oppenheimer didn't seem to want kids either. So why why did they do it? It's not like either of them wanted them. <laughs> yeah, and she's managed to make it to, I think they say she's like 40 or something, right? So she's managed to oh, make yeah. it most of the way through her life and been married three yes. times and yes. still hasn't so had... why have kids now? <laughs> yeah, why now? <laughs> yeah, bad decision. As somebody who's 40 with a nine-month old, why now? <laughs> why, why have kids when you're 40? <laughs> Why? See, I'm so I love my kids, but I'm so grateful every day that I had them when I did because on my 40th they'll be 14 and 10. They'll be like full, you know, grown-up kids. You can eat shit and <laughs> love it. Uh the one for me was knocking to um whoever and you know like one of those I don't know, it was some actor and then Casey Affleck showed up the next day and he knocked to him as well. Like what's he doing? Yeah. Yeah, that was. Weird. I thought the Casey Affleck scene was a bit weird, actually. Like, I found him a bit distracting because you know he is who he is, and then just popping up in like one scene. I was like, that's it's odd. It took me out a little bit. Yeah, Casey Affleck. I mean, after everything we've heard about him, he's just jarring. It's <laughs> the best way to describe him. And then, yeah, that scene yeah. where he showed up because it was funny because at one point, and this was going to be my deep philosophical debate, because I was sitting there going. I'm really surprised Ben Affleck isn't in this movie. And it's like, I've become so conditioned that if I see Matt Damon, I think Ben Affleck's going to show up pretty soon. And then Casey Affleck showed up and I was like, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that that was one for me. It just fucking didn't make any sense at all. Like, why why is he narking and stuff like that? I was going to say the um, Whitey tried to poison his tutor. And then I thought to myself, that can't be real. And actually it was. But it's speculative, I think. It was one of his classmates reckoned that he'd put some form of toxin, is the best way he described it, into the apple to poison his tutor because he didn't get along with his tutor. But then he got busted for it. And then the, him and the, he got forced to attend psychiatry and his parents bailed him out and all this other shit. Like none of this ripping an apple out of Neil's ball's hand halfway for a little speech or whatever. But then. Like, it was, apparently, they don't know if it was cyanide or not. They would have thought it was something that would have made the guy sick. Like, I, I yeah, I actually, I didn't get that scene at all. To me, that should have just been cut because I, I didn't know whether it was real or not. But if you're going to cut all the fallout from it, it just doesn't make any sense on its own. It doesn't really give us anything about Oppenheimer's character. I guess it goes to suggest that he's a bit of a psychopath, but... That never plays up again in the film. So Yeah, I mean, is it meant to be metaphoric? Like, are we meant to see that he is okay with bad things happening to people, but then he has a change of conscience, which is kind of symbolic of how he, like, yes, I had to make the nuclear bomb, but I feel like shit afterwards and then protest again. He only, he only had a change of conscience, though, because the I guess the target changed. But you're right, yeah. that happened with the bomb as well, where it went from being the Nazis to Japan. So I guess maybe that's symbolic of that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. All right. Question number 12. What deep philosophical debate arose in you during this film? The thing I was thinking about while I was watching this film was 
how, like like we've talked about, how many like character actors and other you know like male actors are in this that you're like, holy shit, he's in it. Oh, hey, I know him from that. Oh, hey, look, it's Josh Hartnett. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. all these random dudes keep popping up. And then I thought to myself, I wonder how many of these guys actually saw a script before they signed on. Yeah, you know, because most of them don't have very much in the way of lines. And I feel like it's like Christopher Nolan. The agent or whoever has gone to your agent and said, "Hey, we need you for this film. Would you be interested?" And they've just gone, "Yes." You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I saw an interview with Damon, which actually kind of made me think he's a bit of a dick. Well, he was oh, he is a mess about dick. how yeah. he was having marital problems, and they went to couples counselling, and and he basically agreed that he would take a break from work unless Chris Nolan called. Was what he said. He was like, you know, I'll I'll take a break. I'll you know I'll I'll be here with the family and stuff unless Nolan calls. Then I'm then I'm doing that. <laughs> like, Fuck, that's weird. So, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so I I don't know whether he saw a script at all. Meanwhile, Christopher Nolan's email says seventy two emails from Matt Damon saying, "Please make another movie. Please cast me to a movie. I'll do it for day rage. I don't care. I'll do it." For- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Deep philosophical debate. It's it's a it's a really complex story, actually, and I guess it does make you think about weaponry and war and nuclear weapons. Like, I kind of the movie certainly plays Oppenheimer's intentions as good in a lot of ways. Like, he's hoping that by being the first to create this bomb and drop it, no one else ever will. Yeah. Like, sure, he kind of regrets it afterwards, but he, he wanted that bomb to be dropped, no question. Like, he wanted people to know about its power and stuff. And I think he was kind of wanting that power to demonstrate how awful it is so that no one would ever do it. But all it's kind of done, really, is just create more fear that it's, you know, anyone could drop one of these at any time. <laughs> like, And so it kind of made me think what would have happened if if they'd gotten it done earlier and dropped it on the Nazis. Like, how different would the world be today? Would it have actually changed the outcome given that the war ended anyway? You know what I mean? Like, I, it just makes me think, did this ever actually have to happen? <laughs> it's a good question. I mean, especially because, like they talk about in the movie, there's... They're at a point with the Japanese where the Japanese were retreating. They were never going to surrender because exactly, it's yes. totally against Japanese culture. But like yeah. they were right. Like you know, maybe they should try dropping one of these out in the middle of the harbor and go, "Hey, look what the fuck we could do to your cities." Yes, you know, like yeah. And instead, they dropped it on not one but two cities. And fu- that was another great scene, actually, when the when they're sitting around talking about where to drop it, yeah. and it's like a group of people talking about where to go for dinner. <laughs> like they just have no. Like, fuck, that was, yeah. <laughs> it's funny, I actually had a similar conversation the other day. It's like, do we nuke Canberra first or Sydney or Melbourne? Or- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Canberra yep. for sure. I mean, that was like first. But- <laughs> 100% Canberra would be first because no one actually gives a shit about it, even though it's the capital. Exactly, but we need to demonstrate our power so that the rest of Australia yeah. can go, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a nuclear bomb from New Zealander would probably be about 14 cartons of eggs. <laughs> <laughs> tied to a helium balloon that's floated over the Tasman towards Australia. <laughs> this will show them not to fuck with us. Oh, I wish I was joking. <laughs> Go New Zealand. Anyway, it moves us over to question number 13, which is a new question that I thought of. Sure, someone had to think of it. But uh, 
<laughs> what non-traditional awards category, so think MTV Movie Award, like Best Kiss or Best Fight or whatever, would this movie totally be nominated for? Um, definitely this would win for Most Unhinged Sex Scene. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. There's a Tommy Wiseau movie coming out this year. <laughs> Oh, yeah. This honestly kind of felt like that. Like, there was a lot of talk about it because this is Nolan's first ever sex scene. This is, what, like his 11th or 12th film, but he's never done a sex scene. Really? Yeah. Just don't, Nolan. Like, you don't know how. Like, there was... It's funny. You've got Florence Pugh and Killian Murphy, two insanely attractive people, and you somehow take all of the sexuality out of this sex scene. Like, it was just so unhinged. <laughs> It, you, you are getting to a point where it's like, am I watching robots having sex? <laughs> yeah, it just was not great. <laughs> I don't feel good, Mr. Stark. <laughs> um, yeah, my one was the the best. How did you get that performance out of them? Yeah. And the reason yeah. why I'm saying this is because Josh Hartnett, I love him. I think he's great. I think he's an amazing dude. You know, I love that he gave up acting to move home and be a normal dude for a while. I, I think that's awesome. But man, he is swinging dick in this film. He, yeah, he's channeling yeah. like um, Paul Newman or something like that. He was like this confident George Clooney in the 90s. Like, holy yeah. shit. Brad Pitt yeah. forever. <laughs> Leo forever. I was like, this is amazing, Hartnett. But on top of that, one of the Safety brothers um, that played oh, yes. Teller. Like, Teller, yep. Holy shit. He was amazing too. Yeah. I yep. just remembered why he reminds me of you. Because if we ever met up, my wife would spit in your face and she wouldn't shake your hand. <laughs> <laughs> oh how can i forget that <laughs> good ones good ones <laughs> anywho let's move over to our personal questions first of which yeah i mean we've talked about florence Pugh, we've talked a little bit about emily blunt but why can't nolan write a female part I don't think he's ever spoken to a female. <laughs> I, I, I was. I wrote that down. I was like, if Billy doesn't ever yeah. answer this, it's because he's never known the touch of a female. Yeah, I, I, he kind of strikes me as that kind of dude. <laughs> like, I just, I just don't think that he has spoken to enough women. Like, I don't think he listens to them. I think, I think he should listen harder. And that's my answer. <laughs> and I don't care if you one star me people who, <laughs> who love Nolan. I, I, I don't think that he likes women. <laughs> it's so consistent through all of his films. Like, if you, you go all the way back to Memento and even Carrie Ann Moss is just written to be this conniving, you know, manipulative duplicitous woman and then everyone is like Mao and Inception or um yep. you know like Marion Cotillard and Dark Knight Returns he seems to hate Marion Cotillard but Anne Hathaway in Dark Knight Returns and yep. the Elizabeth Debicki <laughs> let's bring her up let's bring up tall woman in Tenet <laughs> let's bring up <laughs> let's bring up Billy, Billy's favorite things to hate on tall woman and Christopher Nolan <laughs> I don't hate all women, and I don't hate Nolan either. I just, I just think that I think he's fine. I don't understand where this like massive love for Nolan has come from because I, th I think he's done some good work. I think he's done some okay work. I, do yeah. I don't think he's, you know, like he's not fucking Scorsese. Is my thing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> fair enough. But yeah, I mean, at the same time, I feel like he's been jilted by a woman at some point in the past. He's never gotten yeah. over it. And he just sees yep. them as that sort of conniving evil. 100%. Yeah. Like, it just <laughs> oh, it just feels weird. Every time, like, every time they open the mouth and talk, you're like, I just, it's just like, it's Emily Blunt and Florence Pugh, and yet you still yeah. reduced them to these 
screaming banshees and you're like what the fuck <laughs> like yep yeah he needs a female co-writer he he needs somebody to look at these scripts first you yeah know. It, to me, it's very clear that only men read these scripts. Like, yeah. like he doesn't get he doesn't get feedback from from women on these scripts. Well, <laughs> well, in the past, his brother used to help co-write, and I don't, I don't know what's happened to those two. But even then, like when you look at their co-written scripts, like at least they were a little bit more fleshed out and had a little bit more, yeah. you know, agency and all that sort of shit. Like now, it's just fuck. But I'm um, talking about <laughs> well-written female films. Barbie Oppenheimer. Everyone's going crazy about Barbenheimer or whatever. Which one? Which one would you go watch again? Which one's your favourite? Whatever. Well, I I can answer because I have seen Barbie twice and I 100% would watch it again. Barbie is far and away better than this film. Like, Barbie is probably the best film of the year so far. Like, I mean, I've seen some really good films, but it is exceptionally good. Have you seen it yet? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Gosling would blow RDJ out of the water for an Oscar. Come on, man. Well, yeah, it's only because of the genre it is. I- I'm yeah. hoping that Robbie gets nominated for an Oscar at least. I don't think she'd win because of the genre, but I'm hoping that Margot Robbie gets nominated because she was fucking exceptional. And yes, Gosling, that's one of the funniest performances. <laughs> like, it's a funny movie. It's way funnier than I expected. I was laughing from start to finish. Same. So, I, I, the, okay, listeners, there is going to be a Barbie episode. It's going to be hosted by Liz, Ashley of Rabbit Ears, and Emily from Tasteless Podcast, which you guys all know and love. We are trying to put together the Ken version of Barbie episode, <laughs> where it's just us boys talking about it. So I don't want to say too much and spoil anything, but I have seen Barbie. I went and saw it by myself. I sat in a the corner of the theater by myself, which had two recliner seats that were separated from the front recliners and the, the cheap people seats. <laughs> and I put my hood on, and I sat there by myself, and then as soon as the credits rolled, I ran like a fucking <laughs> cheetah out the fucking door. Because <laughs> I was too scared about the young girls going, ooh, who is that gross guy doing in here? <laughs> He's just here to look at Margot Robbie's feet. No. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I, I'm with you. Barbie, Barbie for sure. Barbie over this. Yeah. And then finally, uh, yeah, I mean, the end of this movie, the whole premise and plot of this movie was never in any doubt. So why don't we change it around a bit? So if we could rewrite history a la Tarantino in Inglorious Bastards or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, well, you know, it just completely changes the end. How would this movie end? Okay, I think that if you were going to change the ending of this movie, you would need to have a reason to do it thematically or, you know. So here's what I think would happen. Somebody else finishes the bomb first and drops it right on fucking Oppenheimer. <laughs> and the movie ends with all these crusty white guys just getting demolished by an atomic bomb. And we, like, maybe we don't even know who it was. Maybe it was Russia. Maybe it was the Nazis. Maybe it was Japan. We don't even know. But somebody else finished it first. Maybe it was even a hydrogen bomb. Like, and just boom. And that's the end of the film. Maybe it's aliens watching Earth and they're like, Fuck, we can't let them get this shit. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> now I'm become ashes. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Billy, what All do you right. got? Over to my personal questions. Uh, how would you insert a Barbie reference into this movie to go the full Barbenheimer route? I feel like you might have been... I feel like you maybe were thinking of the same scene as I am, which is like, the first time I got a genuine laugh out of the Barbie film is when they're halfway through a dance musical number and then Barbie goes, <laughs> hey, do you guys think you ever think about dying? 
<laughs> Something like that. Something like a, yeah. a, a musical dance number where Oppenheimer's like, hey, do you guys ever think about dying? <laughs> he does look like he could he could move well. I could see him dancing with that hat on. <laughs> He's quite skulky and yeah, slinky. I reckon he would, I reckon he'd, yeah, nail it. Yeah, nice. All right. Uh, my question number two, would this movie make your top five Nolan films? No. No? Okay. No, I was tossing up between some, but I feel like Memento, Prestige, and Dark Knight are definitely the top three. Yeah. And then after that, it's Inception. And then I was like, oh, Batman Begins, probably? I do enjoy Batman Begins a lot. I think, for me, Batman Begins is the strongest of that trilogy, which I know I'm on a hill of my alone there. (laughs) You are. (laughs) <laughs> well, that, that being said, the cracks are starting to form on Dark Knight in terms of, like, a rewatch. It's like, is this just a really awesome Heath Ledger performance? It is. 100% it is. Because outside yeah. of that, it's kind of boring in a lot of ways. But Yes, and I think that uh, Katie Holmes is actually far superior to Gyllenhaal, which is weird because I love Maggie Gyllenhaal, but I think she's terrible in that movie. Yeah, I don't know what cheered. Nolan did to get such a bad performance out of her. Oh, wow, a bad female performance from a, it, yeah, in a Nolan yeah, whereas- film? I actually think Katie Holmes is really good in Batman Begins. <laughs> Man, I'd love to know what drugs you're taking. <laughs> I need to get her on them. So, yeah, that's probably me. I mean, I'm not a fan of Interstellar or Dunkirk or Tenets or trying to think of his other ones. Insomnia, I remember being bored by that. Yep. Can't think of any other contenders, so, yeah. Okay. All right, my final question. How many Oscar nominations do you think this film will get, and are there any categories you'd be rooting for a win in? I reckon all the technical ones, for sure. Yep. And then I reckon RDJ will get nominated. I reckon Killian Murphy might be the one that people say he was snubbed. Yeah, okay, yeah, I can see that. Can't see any of the actress categories at all, because I just feel like they, no. they just got given nothing that would, yeah, you know. And then Best Director, oh, I don't know. He's, ne- he's he's never been nominated for Best Director, has he? No, I don't think he has, no. No. Or maybe he did for Dunkirk. I don't know. Yeah, I can't remember off the top of my head. So, yeah, I mean, all the technical ones. The one I'd be rooting for, except for one one scene that I was going to bring up earlier, but the one I'd be rooting for is sound, because my God, do they know how to use sound editing in this film. You know, it's, Yeah, it, I, I agree, yeah. The use of silence, yeah. you know, the use of silence. When yes. he's giving that speech... Crowd's going wild, and all he can picture is, you know, all the different destructions he's causing. Yeah. As well as, like, you know, like use of Geiger counter throughout the film, um, you know, certain aspects like that. Like, he, they really know how to engage sound. Another one is, another awesome use of sound is when they see the explosion, but yet the, the sound thing, wave hasn't yeah. caught up to them yet. Yeah. And they're like... I agree. I think that's the one of the best scenes in the film, yeah. Yeah. The problem with that, and this is the one one thing I think is a massive knock against it, and was going to be my biggest load of bullshit as well, is, like, straight <laughs> after that, they have a scene where they're all cheering him, you know, the next day or whatever, and they're all cheering him. It sounds like a stadium of about 50,000 fucking people cheering him, right? <laughs> it's like the loudest fucking cheering you've ever heard. And the, you pan around, there's like 30 people there. These are scientists, scientists and engineers. I've met them. They, they would have been, oh, congratulations. Uh, yeah. Well done, chap. Golf yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not screaming like their team's just won the fucking Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> biggest load of bullshit biggest knock against it but yeah definitely sound editing I think is probably going to be the, the number one and one that's going to bank yeah 
Yeah, I, I agree. I think certainly at this stage it's going to be nominated for a lot of the tech awards and and probably rightly slow. Um, it's probably going to win VFX, which I think is going to be great just to highlight that there are VFX in the film. <laughs> Um, you know, once again, I just, I would like people to know that while Nolan has never been nominated or won Best Director, he does have a Lifetime Achievement Award from the Visual Effects Society. Wow. So people keep that in mind the next time he is rabbiting on about not using visual effects because it's a utter what bullshit. A dick. That's the biggest <laughs> dick move outside of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, th- I think it's going to win four awards, would be my guess. Yeah, I'd pro- four or five, whatever technical. No, I'm going to go three. There we go. Yeah. I'm hoping that Barbie picks up production design because fuck me, that's a good looking film. It is very good looking. Hey, let's make a bet now. Um, if it wins three or if it wins four, whoever wins, the next time we record, the other guy has to do it naked. Okay, I'll do that. <laughs> You're already naked right now, so I don't know why I'm... Yeah, yeah. I'm the only one that's going to lose. <laughs> Anyway, moves us down to our final question, which is a Patreon question, which comes courtesy of our mate Nick Haskins of Nicholas Kitchen and of Livestream of the, for the Cure. A Livestream for the Cure, awesome event, uh, happens every year. Great cause to get behind, especially close to heart for me, for reasons I don't really want to get into, but um, we'll be releasing the audio for that. Either it's already just come out or we're releasing it straight after this. Uh, his question, what type of meal is this movie? This is an interesting one because there's actually been a lot of talk about this in fact when uh Topher messaged me talking about which one he was going to see first out of barbenheimer he he referred to this as you know like your main meal you gotta eat your veggies and then you go you see barbie for dessert <laughs> it's, a, it's accurate i actually disagree i saw but i saw this as a sandwich in between barbie sessions i saw barbie oppenheimer barbie and i think that was the best way to do it because while i do think that this is a fairly balanced meal I think that it's not balanced perfectly well. I don't think that this is a great main course. I think that this is more like I think it's I think it's missing something. I'm going to say that this is like this is when you go and and get like a roast meal from the club, right? You get like your roast beef <laughs> from the club. Some, what nightclub yeah, are yeah. you getting roast meals yeah. at? The no, strip you know, club. Like, like the RSL. Oh, right. You know, like like that kind of club. Just hanging out at the club. <laughs> old, old people club where you go play bingo. I want to see the 50 this cent is... version of that song. You can find me in the <laughs> club like... getting roast meals with, <laughs> with my aunties. Like when, when, you, when you go to the club with your granddad and his girlfriend before they play bingo, true story, <laughs> and you order like a, a roast meal, the roast of the day, and you get like, you know, your roast beef and you get some broccoli and cauliflower but they don't give you any potatoes and they're out of gravy. That's what this is. It's <laughs> kind of accurate. I don't even want to follow it. That's kind of, kind of accurate as to what this movie is. I mean, I wrote down Tex-Mex because it's like, it's in America, but it's in um, New Mexico, Los Alamos, New Mexico. Yep. And then with lots of spice because you get a fire explosion at the end. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> a ton of jalapenos. <laughs> <laughs> how fun is it to say words wrong it's so much fun than like going to an italian restaurant and afterwards asking for some galato <laughs> i love it <laughs> or you know like a, ni- a nice affagato to end the evening <laughs> i once roamed around new york with a friend that kept referring to chipotle as chipotle and then we went out for drinks <laughs> and she got magittos <laughs> 
fun times. Ugh. Highly educated woman, and she listens to this podcast, probably sitting there right now going, <laughs> fuck you, Sam! <laughs> I love you. You know who I'm talking about. You know, you know who I, you know who you are. I love you. Anyway, that does take us down to the end. Thank you to Billy for joining us. Why don't you tell us all about We Watch The Thing and how people can find you in one star, yeah? <laughs> mate thank you for having me this is great this is i think the, the both of the most recent times i've been on this show was you messaging me about an hour before going hey can Help! you do an episode on this <laughs> uh, thanks I'm liz happy to, i'm happy to be that guy for you so thank you for having me uh this has been a lot of fun if you want to hear my nonsense you can do that at we com or just search for we watched a thing on any of the platforms i just watch movies and talk about them that's it <laughs> Yep, sums it up. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, you can find us on Twitter at Movie Reviews In. Oh, mate, not, not Twitter anymore, mate. Oh, X. you mean on X. Whatever you want to call it, I don't give a shit. <laughs> Send us an email. <laughs> MRITQS at gmail.com. Send us an email and tell us about what movies you want to want us to do and stuff like that and give us feedback there. It's probably the best way because social media is going to shit. Upcoming films, yeah, Liz and the girls are doing Barbie. And then after that, who knows? A couple of movies in the pipeline. Maybe, maybe. Um, I'm thinking about you know because everyone's doing Barbenheimer. I'm taking Fern, my four year old daughter, now for um, to see to do Saw Patrol. You know where we go see Paw Patrol movie and then see Saw Ten afterwards. <laughs> yep. So, so I might get Fern on to talk about Saw and see. <laughs> That'd be great. You know, have have some evidence that gets played at my court trial. Um. <laughs> anyway yeah that's who knows what's coming up but uh yeah thank you again for listening and thank you to our patreons for your questions and uh that's thanks from me thanks from me cool i'm just gonna wait for that plane to go overhead and drop a nuclear bomb <laughs> <laughs> on this to prevent a recording <laughs> End a war or prevent me recording another podcast? <laughs> <laughs> what would be the better use? Really important.